0: Go by a gentleman named Dominic Capacilli, and he is the founder of The Clean Cell. Now, what fascinated me about Dominic was that he has positioned himself right at the epicenter between brand and sales. And I wanted to talk to Dominic about how he got here, what it means to be at the epicenter or this hybrid new version, and what it looks like to execute. So, Dominic, that's a long-winded introduction. Welcome.
1: Well, that was beautiful. Thank you. Uh, thank you for, for, uh, making me sound so much better than I actually am. I really appreciate that.
0: Well, I talked to your mom and she said, this is how I should introduce you. So, uh, your mom is very, very complimentary. She thinks you're doing a great job.
1: Uh, Just to touch in on the, uh, on the marketing and sales divide, I'm actually, uh, my girlfriend of a couple of years owns her own marketing agency. So I feel like I'm like, I'm, I'm bridging that divide. I'm like an Israeli and a Palestinian, like we're, we're making it happen and proving that this, that these two things can work together both professionally and personally.
0: Oh my God, you poor guy. I can't, I can't wait to see you guys having a domestic, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, and you know what, another thing, marketing, you know, there, ha. Yeah. No, I can just, I can see it. Not talking all weekend because you can't get along because you want to figure out how big the starburst is on the hamburger. Oh man. But, uh, talk to me, talk to me about your history. How did you get where you are? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a
1: very, it's a very kind of all over the place background. So I, I came from a storytelling background. I didn't come from a sales background. My, my background was I, I was a journalist and then a writer and then a screenwriter and I really learned how to deconstruct a story, which is all that, and this is kind of where the marketing and sales piece come together uh, in that it's all about stories. If you're telling, if you're telling a, a good story and the right story, uh, that the sales process starts far before I ever have a conversation with someone as a sales rep it starts in content marketing, it starts all the way back. So in in what I really came, my background was I came to understand how to demystify what makes a story good and what makes a story,
0: um, compelling. Now let let me interrupt. You're going to, you're going to figure out I'm a chronic interrupter. I'm very rude. Um, (laughs) story, you know, I, I make my living, uh, weaving stories, this magical, mystical bullshit. And (laughs) When I first heard the whole idea of storytelling, because we used to build brands, but now we're crafting stories and content. When I first heard the idea of story, to me, it always conjured up the idea of this guy working kids' birthday parties. And uh, But stories uh, are, are uh, fundamental to us as humans. I mean, you must know this as a journalist, too, that just reporting the fact is one thing, but wrapping it in context and giving it a human story makes it much more sticky
1: yeah, you ever hear Barack Obama talk? Oh yeah, he's and always Ronald he's Reagan, all, the girl yeah, in the yellow skirt, you know yeah, so. I mean, this is how you communicate people it, it's it's very interesting. There's an interesting piece where you need to make it you need in order to make uh, make a big story digestible, you need to make it small enough that it's human. so i I use the example of uh, there's a movie called Hotel Rwanda. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but oh, yeah. it, it basically talks about the, the crisis in Rwanda, but it doesn't, it doesn't show this massive crisis and make it like these, this huge movie. It ta- it shows this one person's struggle, uh, to save these people and, and go through this while the whole event is happening around him in context. Mm-hmm. If you think about like a movie, like saving private Ryan, that's a small story in a large war that actually shows you what that, what that looked like. So it needs to be small enough that you can feel it in order to make it big enough where you can feel the impact. So yeah, it's so key.
0: Is storytelling welcomed in the world of sales? Because I, I remember I, I worked in sales. That's how I came up. Um, and a lot of people in sales that uh, back in the day, you know, when I was working in brand, we were looking at say, uh, at storytelling going, ah, and I know that a lot of people who are working in sales at the same time are going, you know, put it, put a compelling offer in front of people, wrapping it in a wonderful story. Uh, it sounds kind of soft.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you describe it like that, it doesn't it sounds terrible? So, how are you defining storytelling? Uh, I think, I
0: think a lot function. of people went I think a lot of people went sideways in that they uh, they crafted this this uh, amazing vision around a product and I think they got off topic and they didn 't have a motherlode a sort of a, a guiding light to hold them to it and so then it just became angels and crystals and unicorns um, and I think the 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 discipline of a good tight story like Ronald Reagan somewhere in America there is yeah. you know or, or um, you know like you say Hotel Rwanda where it's just Romeo Dallaire and his his the the general trying to save all these people um, Schindler's list one man trying to save all these people yep. there's that discipline I think that uh, has uh, in a lot of storytelling bad storytelling people just go I don't get it you know it's all fluffy
1: so let me tell you let me tell you what's going on there and what I believe the key is mm-hmm so what's happening is that those story, that crappy storytelling, how many, time have, how many times have you heard that founding story that nobody gives a shit about?
0: Bingo. Right. Bingo. <laughs> that you just nailed it. That's
1: Nobody a- cares.
0: Oh, it, Oh, oh it's like, me- Oh,
1: you know, I, I got hit in the head and then I decided that I was going to make the flux capacitor. And next thing, you know, we're traveling in time, you know, like it, that's even, even that's boring. And that's one of the most interesting things you can, you can think mm-hmm. about. Nobody cares about what your founding story is. They don't, mm-hmm. uh, what they care about is what you can do for them. And what they're, what they're, you, you you need to start shifting all of your, I would say any messaging. Like we get really caught up in what is sales and what is marketing. Mm-hmm. The sales process starts long before I ever speak to someone. And the story that you need to be telling is a story. Like if you want to actually move your product, this is why we, we talked about this earlier. Um, you get all caught up in this branding and this brand workshop and all that stuff. And it's not based on conversion. Mm-hmm. You're just doing, you're doing, it's almost like doing it to do it. And, and what you need to do in order to actually sell, uh, whether that's through marketing messaging, uh, or a direct sales conversation is you need to start telling the story of your prospects. I mean, if you think about any great like the reason why we have those anecdotal stories and movies that work really well is because you put yourself in the shoes of the, uh, of that one person, the protagonist, that's why I can feel what's happening in Schindler's list because I'm putting myself in the shoes of Oscar Schindler. What would I do? And that's why it has the emotional weight for me. If I just show the Holocaust, yeah, it's going to be terrible, but it won't hit me in the same way that it hits me if I'm able to put myself in the, in the shoes. So your job as a, you know, what's that look like in business, your job in business there and in branding and in any type of storytelling is to start telling your prospect's story or the story of a typical prospect and the problems that they're experiencing that you can help them solve as a business. I mean, this goes, this is beyond B2B or, or B2C, but like, look at Pepsi, mm-hmm. Pepsi, Pepsi with the imagery that they, that they put across they're they're trying, they're helping you to say, okay, if I drink Pepsi, this is what I will feel I'm putting myself in the shoes of somebody who does this. And a lot of it's BS and it's very manipulative, but it works. Mm -hmm. And I I think you can do that in a much less manipulative way, especially if you're providing a product, you know, if you're providing a product that's really solving a problem and doing a service.
0: Do you think a lot of this has to do With this big tide, this big sea change towards entrepreneurialism. Uh, Let me just backtrack. Uh, You know, in the 1980s and the 1990s, it was extremely hard to start a new business, especially to scale a new business because you just didn't have the technology to do it. So we all went to university and then we got a job in a corporation or a lot of Mm -hmm. us did, right? And, And then we worked our way up until eventually we just got pensioned out with a gold watch. Um, and today we have, this, this tide of entrepreneurs and a lot of them are crafting these stories where they're going, I was somebody who was feeling this pain and then I went and started something. And then, so they, there's a greater sense of empathy. Whereas, you know, uh, if you had the head of Procter and Gamble saying, you know, I want to tell you the story of this consumer, you're going, you don't even know any consumers you know, and, and they have to buy your stuff because there's only two brands of floor cleaner on the market anyway.
1: Well, yeah. When you get to, and when you get to that large of a place, you, this is why the model's broken. They'll start going to large ad agencies. Those ad agencies all get in a room with a bunch of people who are in their own bubble and they start thinking and they use those, Sometimes they'll use focus groups. They'll use all these things, but they're not out there actually talking to the people that they're selling to. And it's too far away. And that's why I think sometimes that messaging hits flat or you'll get like a crate, you know, you'll get like the Pepsi commercial that where, uh, I keep picking on Pepsi today, but you'll get that Pepsi commercial where, um, uh, one of the Kardashians is walking along in like a resist thing and it completely falls flat and it's terrible. And that's because you're not close enough to the people that you're actually speaking to and selling to. And that's, that's a really key piece. And I, I do think that it's helped. I do think it has helped uh, to have entrep- to make it easier to start a business because usually what happens is they were the target customer and then they created a problem for that or a pro- or they created a solution to the problem that they had as the target customer. Now I think it's a, I think that's the only time it's okay to tell your story because I think if you're telling about the story that you had or if you're telling about it, if you're using yourself as an anecdote of a typical customer who's having who you're going to be talking to that's okay because then that person's still putting themselves in your shoes, but don't focus on all these, all these other, you know, all the pretty bells and whistles. Yeah. Well, don't, well, I was going to say, don't, don't focus on all the pretty bells and whistles uh, of your product and what's great about it because people just don't care. They want to, you need to connect with them where they're at and show them that you understand them. That's how uh, you get to sell.
0: Uh, one more thing before we go to a short break, I want to talk about technology Because uh, I'm uh, I'm a big fan of technology and I believe that technology has liberated the entrepreneur to take on jobs that only a million dollar ad contract could have gotten them before. Mm -hmm. So it puts everything within your own grasp. But have we become too enamored of it and are we reaching for shiny things as opposed to going back to the core, the heart?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, technology is a, is a double-edged sword. If you're using, if you don't have the right methodology behind technology, none of the technology matters. I can send out 10,000 emails today. And if they're terrible emails that talk only about me and what I'm doing, I'm going to have a very low response rate and I'm actually going to probably do more damage to my brand than help. But if I'm going with a messaging that if I'm, if I, if I have, uh, messaging that really works well, and I'm doing, and the content is there, and I'm talking about, and I'm meeting the prospect where they're at, and putting these these fundamentals into play. Uh, technology can amplify the effect of that in a way that I never could have. So technology will amplify your shitty work, and it'll amplify your great work, and you need to know which technology is is right to use for which. So it is a double-edged sword. It's incredibly powerful. You know, I was able to build my business partly with technology and, and but I was using it in the in the correct way to help hit more of my target customers not necessarily delegitimize my my brand.
0: All right. All right. Now we're going we're going to go from theory to practice. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break right now and then we're going to come back and you're going to tell me how to build a proper clean sell campaign. What a cliffhanger. Hey, while we're in a break, don't forget to check out my new book, StopBustingYourBrand.com. Stop Busting Your Brand takes you through the five most common mistakes entrepreneurs make when they're building their brand. StopBustingYourBrand.com. All right, we're back with Dominic Capacilli, founder of The Clean Cell. Now, Dominic, where we left off, it, we were talking about, you know, the power of technology. We're talking about the power of a good story. But everybody's sitting there going, all right, what am I going to do with this? So take mm. me through a prototypical campaign that you would work in and, and the key flash points where you go, you know, you got to pay attention to this. You got to pay attention to this. So help me, help me build a campaign the Clean way.
1: So you're defining campaign as like a, as a pitch or a sale, a sales story?
0: Oh, that's excellent. That's an excellent question because to me, a lot of people say, you know what? The end of the campaign is when I get a whole bunch of clicks, I get a whole bunch of leads for you. To me, a campaign is I start with um, defining the brand, where you position yourself in the market to creating that brand, creating the language and the visuals that people associate with moving on to sending that out to the masses and then ending with dollar bills in my pocket. Mm -hmm. It's a big, it's a big, it's a big sort of campaign idea, but I think for an entrepreneur, that's how they think. They go, I got to start with how I talk about myself and it's got to finish with dollar bills.
1: Got it. Okay. So there's first thing, a little process to go through. Mm -hmm. The first thing that you need to do is talk to, to 10 to 20 target customers and don't talk to them about your brand and don't talk to them about what they think about your brand talk to them about what's going on in their lives specific to the areas which your pro which your product addresses so for me I would talk I would talk to entrepreneurs and I'd ask them what kind of difficulties are they having in the sales process uh, and you know and really start to understand what their pain points are because it's the key it's the most key thing that you can do once you once you understand their pain points you're going to be able to speak to them much better in whether that's in a whether that's in content marketing whether that's in a sales pitch whether that's in your in just kind of the way that your brand presents itself so that's a really key piece you have to talk to customers don't don't be in the bubble don't be in your room so once you do that what i the next thing that i think is essential to create is a core sales story as what we what i define that as and the core and the core sales story isn't about you and your isn't necessarily about you and your product that's just a maybe a quarter of it uh, the core sales story goes back further than that. And the way that I, there's really four pillars that I identify with my clients when I start working with them. And it, my job is to kind of pull that story out of them because every one of them know it and it's, mm-hmm. and it's in there, uh, especially if they've been talking to their customers uh, and their experts in their field. So the first piece is what are my pain points? That's where talking to your customer goes back. So I'll use my business as an example. Uh, so the pain points that I run across are I, I need to scale and I have no experience in sales. Uh, I hired a VP of sales and they've completely floundered out and it was terrible. I, hi- uh, I hired a junior salesperson. They're not doing well. I'm running out of warm leads. These are all pain points that I run across. So the key here in this first piece is this is where you gain credibility from someone. And this is, and sometimes this piece, this is you start talking about the pain points and the problem and people who have those pain points and problem will find you. If you're, if you're, if you are amplifying the content that you're putting out there, that's what your content needs to be about. Uh, so I, so the first piece is you need to meet them there. That will get someone from skeptical to credible or to, to thinking you're skeptical to engage and you have credibility. So once you're, once you're able to do that, uh, then you've earned the right to tell them why their problem is happening to them. Here's what here, you know, you're an expert in 500 things. You got 500 things, 500 problems going on in your life, or I'm sorry. And you have 500 problems going on in your life, but the one problem that I can solve for you or the two problems that I can solve for you, I'm more of an expert in that problem than you'll ever be because that's what I deal with every single day. Mm-hmm. And here is why that problem is happening to you here's the forest through the trees I call it like the re- I call it a reframe and you're able to tell them what's what are the outside factors that are contributing to this uh, that are making that are causing these pain points uh, so and then what's it costing you so for my business again it would be I would say to someone uh, well you can't hire a VP of sales at this level the average VP of sales tenure is 18. 18 months. And that's with the successful ones. And the reason you can't do that is because the, that person generally worked at GE or somewhere forever, and they don't know how to build a company, Mm -hmm. um, from the ground up. And, and if they even, and if they do, they'd probably build their own company. Mm -hmm. So you end up getting kind of these middle of the pack people or people who don't want to get their hands dirty. And then you hire, if you hire a junior person, those are, they're executors. They don't know what they're, they don't know. Um, they don't have the structure needed they need more structure than you can give them. And then if you build it yourself, you've spent 15 years becoming an expert in your craft, but that craft is not sales. So how can you possibly be expected to build a sales process that's in line with best practices? Mm -hmm. And so this is why, and then this is where the, what, what it costs them part. So many companies that, that had great ideas, great products that could have, that could have grown and could have scaled don't get to do it because they screw this transition up because it's one of the hardest points for the business. So now that's the the second part. I've told them why this is happening to them, what, you know, why the cards are stacked against them, what, and then what it's costing them. Now the third piece, you've really brought them down in the dumps here. At this point, if you're doing your job well, they'll, they'll start to understand the urgency of what happens if they don't solve that problem. The next piece is you need to tell them, here's a new way to think about the problem right? If you want to solve this problem, you need to start thinking about it this way. And what, this is not your solution yet. This Mm -hmm. is still just offering them value. So here are some things. So think about this from a marketing point of view, right? Let's start talking about some new approaches that you can take to solve, to solve this particular problem that we know that you have. Um, so in my business, it would be, you need to be out there and start talking to customers and you need to be the one selling for the first 20, 30 customers minimum. And you need to have that down pat before you start trying to hire it. Okay,
0: Okay. now let me play back. I'm the entrepreneur. uh, And uh, you've just made this pitch to me. So the stuff that I've picked up is all right, I'm looking at hiring uh, somebody to help me with my, my rapidly growing business here, uh, but I haven't found anyone. And you're going, yeah, of course. It's, I've been looking at these guys who are mid-level, either mid-level and just, they, they have a very tight tightly defined vision of their job that was 1980s. Mm-hmm. Or I've got these kids that are fresh out of school that know how to uh, draw up a flow chart, but they can't actually think strategically. So I'm going to be doing their job for them and paying them. Mm. Uh, okay. I've got that. The second part is I've got to change the way that I think about what I'm doing here. I, yeah, you're totally right. I've got 500 problems and marketing is just one of them. Um, but I've got to change the way I think about it. I've got to realize that it has to be me out front and center telling a human story and that I've got to be able to get it out there. Now you scared the crap out of me because I go, how, how, how do I do this? You know, that, that, that advice plus a quarter will get me a cup of coffee. Mm. Uh, how do I do it? What do I do now with you? So a key
1: piece here is, this is why I mentioned that you don't throw your solution in, but the, even Mm. the value, even the advice I know will get you, you know, uh, would you say a cup of cup of coffee and a quarter? Um, so even that advice what I would say is so whether you do it so this is where this is a non-committal piece whether you do with this with me or not you need to start improving do your it. your sales skills and you need to get a sales process and document and strategy documented you need a sales playbook you need all of these things I don't care if you do it with me or not but you need to start doing that I would encourage you to start t- doing some type of sales training but stop running away from this stop running away from this stop doing in-house outsourcing and having this myth that you're going to find some superhero salesperson who you can meet with once a week, who will tell you how great everything's going. It's not going to happen. Um, and it's, and it's short sighted. So, um, that's kind of the reframe for them. And then I say, and then the last piece is here's how we solve. here's one way to solve this problem or how we approach this problem for our clients. And in my case, I, I am a, I act as an outsourced VP of sales and I help, I work with them to take the knowledge that they have, build that into a sales playbook. And then we train and then I train and coach their junior level people to execute that. So, you know, in three to six months, when I, after I've, after I've worked with them, I am, um, they are ready to go on without me and I've helped them to make that transition. Mm -hmm. That's my approach to the problem. That's my approach to solving it. Do you think there's value in that for you? The answer is yes. Let's move to the next steps. So the key, the key here is this is all conditional, right? Mm -hmm. There's value in everything that we're talking about, but the the really interesting part is that people don't, is that solution piece almost doesn't matter. That's as, that's the craziest thing about this. Everybody gets real focused on the solution. If you can, if you can get people understanding that you are believing that you understand what their pain points are, and telling them why those pain points are happening and then offering them some solutions beyond you, your solution is an afterthought because they'll just trust you. Mm-hmm. They'll trust you. People, people don't buy from you because they believe that your solution can solve their problem. They buy from you because they believe you understand their needs. It's the, it's a huge axiom, uh, sales, a sales coach of mine put it to me. And I really understood that if you do nothing, understand to pay, understand a patient, understand a, uh, a, um, entrepreneur or a, prospects needs. If you can do that and talk to them about that and give them some hope and, and some understanding and education, they'll buy from you.
0: Yeah. It, it's funny because I, I've, had, I've had meetings like that now or I'm having more and more meetings like that where I use that approach and just, you know, I've been here. Are you feeling this? Are you feeling this? Are you feeling this? And they go, yes, 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 yes. How are you going to solve it? And you go, I don't know, but they don't care. You know, if, even if you say I don't know how I'm going to solve that right now, you have to dig into it. But if they just feel like you find like you get it, uh, yeah, it's
1: okay. You know. Just to, just to interrupt. So there's a, I I, I we may have we may have talked about this previously, but uh, in our pre-interview, but the mm-hmm. the um, there's a there's like a gimmick that works with sale with that I hate, and I'm not a gimmick person or like a, a sales trick person if somebody tells you a need, you can literally say, so what I just, so just to be clear, what I heard, what what I heard you say is, and repeat back exactly what they said. And they'll say, this guy gets me, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, and it, and it makes a huge difference because you're checking in with them. You're letting them know that you understand. And, you know, generally I try to add a little bit more value than that. Right? Like, so what you're, so just so I'm clear here are the needs and the pain points that I'm hearing from you. It's this, this, and this. Does that? uh, Do you agree with that? And is what order do you think they're in? If you do that alone, that one step, it will dramatically change the tone of your sales conversations, and you're not being pushy or anything along those lines.
0: Mm -hmm. It's funny. It's almost like going to the psychiatrist. (laughs) You lay on the couch and they go. So, what do you think? Your what do you think the solution is? You're basically talking yeah. yourself out of something, and then you're paying them $150 or whatever an hour. Going, they're geniuses, and all yeah. they, all they're doing is reflecting back what you're thinking and just you and know
1: maybe offering an insight occasionally. The one of the interesting thing, one of the other interesting pieces to compare psychology uh, is that silence is not used well enough um, within any type of business environment, but especially sales, the power, there's a two second thing. You, most people will not, will stop. Most people will enter, ask a question. They'll wait less than two seconds. They'll get nervous and they'll start talking again. And if you can, if you can manage to get past that two second barrier, uh, after say someone gives you a kind of an answer and then they stop and then you wait two seconds, they'll, they'll feel a little bit un, more uncomfortable or whatever it is and they'll start talking more. And usually that next piece, is exactly the is exactly the thing that you wanted them to say behind the initial kind of uh, PR answer that they had. So you really so it, it is a lot like psychology in that you need you can use therapists use silence as a tool. You can use silence to really get to the the deep needs and what your prospect is really thinking.
0: Tools. One two seconds see. Uh Tools. I know I don't want to talk about tools because I think they change like people change socks. But is there anything where you'd say, you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you want to start down this path yourself, these are a couple of tools that you might want to investigate. Not too hard to use. A lot of bang for the buck.
1: So, are we talking proto? What's this path? Are we talking productivity tools? Are we talking?
0: I think productivity and also under uh, being able to frame a sales process. For example, when I said to myself a while back, Hey, you know, I really want to start selling courses. And the first thing I went to, everybody says, go click funnels, click funnels, because you want to go to a a drip funnel where you offer up a a book and then you offer up the expensive course, and then you offer up the less expensive course. And the first thing I discovered was that I'm a moron. And (laughs) I, I basically had to hire somebody to do this for me. And then I, that pulled me into the world of funnels, but made me think this is a very imperfect solution. And so that got me going into the world of CRMs more mm. and into the world of like email campaigns. You uh, get lost stage, in that world. Oh my God. And at each stage, I, uh, I saw an imperfect solution. So you get into emails, email campaigns, and then you go, Oh great. Now we've pulled 500, 5,000, 10,000 people into our lead gen list. We haven't made a single sale, you know?
1: Yeah. It's- so my, my advice would be this. It's a lot like golf clubs, uh, like if we think about email automation, the CRMs that are out there, everybody gets real caught up on the technology and, and which are best. And there are different need, different ones. Like if you're a huge business, Salesforce makes sense as a CRM. If you're not a huge business, pipe drive works well. And if you're just a one person, you can do some. You can do a in inbox, uh, an email inbox one. I think it's called sling. Maybe I'm, I always confuse the two. Uh, Oh, it's called streak. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Sling is a, uh, my TV provider. Um, so yeah, the, uh, so like you can, depending on the size of your business, sometimes that matters, but they are like golf clubs. When somebody comes to me and it's like, which CRM should I get? Which should, you know, which email automation software? Yeah. There's some tweaks. Like sometimes this driver is better than that driver or whatever. But if you're going to spend $500 on a driver, I would encourage you to go buy a used driver and spend $400 of that on a golf lesson, right? Like Mm -hmm. learn how to swing the club before you, before you use the tools. And there's so many tools out there today. And yes, some of them are really cool and you can do like retargeting, you can do multi-touch campaigns and all of those things. And they're super helpful, but don't put the cart before the horse, get the, get the actual knowledge that you need to be, make sure that the content that you're using within that tool is important or uh, it works. And and you know, the actual tools vary based upon the business themselves.
0: I'm a person selling, knitted socks. Uh, you know, God
1: bless you. Yeah.
0: Exactly. I'm a person (laughs) selling knitted socks. I'm a, I'm doing it in my garage. I have zero money to spend. Uh, what do, what do I do? I I mean, I, from what you said, I believe the whole idea of digging into what people want and conveying that story, you know, Mm -hmm. how I solved somebody's problem or that person's pain point, getting that out, perhaps in, YouTube videos or email campaigns. I have zero budget. What would you advise me to do?
1: Well, I have an interest. So I think it positioning yourself. I actually, it's interesting that you brought up socks. So I remember, so I, I always advise companies to be the absolute best and niche niche down to whatever they're great at. And I did this. Uh, I was buying a pair of socks for my girlfriend to make up for one of our marketing sales fights, probably. And I just went on and I went on and I Googled <laughs> most comfortable sock in the world. And there was a company that came up and I, I, and branded, uh, that was, that was branded themselves that way. And I ordered directly from them and it shipped from like Germany or something mm-hmm. along those lines. So if, as far as positioning yourself, position yourself as the person who's really good at this one thing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: whatever that thing is, that's how you want to position yourself. Um, as far as getting that out there from a socks point of view, that's more of a B that's more of a B to C angle. So I think Mm -hmm. that you, what you want to do is it's a little outside of my expertise as a, as a salesperson, but I think the key is it still goes back to that same story, right? Like your tell that story in an effective, in an effective way. I -hmm. I recently, I bought a uh, photo shoot I went to Paris and bought a photo shoot for my, again, for my girlfriend. I really, she really is spoiled now that I think about it.
0: Um, She's got awesome socks and photos.
1: (laughs) So I bought, so I bought a photo shoot for her because we were in Paris and it was kind of this romantic thing, but I went through and I, and I was doing my research and looking at it and the person that I bought from wasn't the person who necessarily had like the biggest resume. It was when I read her copy and read the things that she was talking about. She talked about the experience and what it would be like and how it's romantic in Paris and and how you're really like how that person would feel how that experience would make them feel and how they cared about the experience and like positioning yourself that way is so key as far as actually getting it out there with zero budget i mean my i think you can do things very cheaply you can find email addresses on Upwork pretty easily. Try to for, the first thing I would want you to do is figure out who is your target customer. That's the number one key, right? What are the mm-hmm. demographics? Who you're looking for? Who is that niche you're trying to target? Don't target everybody. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the next piece is how do we get that message out to them? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's there's many different business development tactics uh, you can do. You can invest in. You can have a website that has great SEO uh, to, to get that message, you can amplify that out. You can use Instagram. You, there are all these, all these different tools out there now from that work from a conversion point of view and you can get instant feedback on them. I mean, if you were starting a sock company, I probably would tell you to start an Instagram about uh, account buy a really nice camera and start taking really cool sock photos and then make them funny. And you start to build and you can start to build up that way. Use hashtags properly. I have a friend who built, who went from, uh, zero to a hundred thousand followers in one year. And it's because she produced amazing content. She did a, she did a work week planning, uh, like meal prep planning, um, account and she's just, she engages back and forth now that a lot of people think that that's easy. It's not, that's Mm -hmm. a full time. That is a full time job in and of itself to get that type of following, but it doesn't cost money. Mm -hmm. You know, you can do it if you're, if you're out there engaging with the people that you want to speak that, uh, have the needs that you're are in that are out there in the market
0: there. Just to build on that, I, I I helped build a pitch for, um, a a money pitch for, um, smart suites, which is a, a gal. Uh, she was 22 years old, a university student, and she, um, didn't like that any sort of candy she stuck in her mouth, you know, could give her, she had a family history of diabetes and and she had body issues. And so she was really despairing. She loved candy, but she didn't know what to have. So she researched how to create candy for people who can't have candy. And at home, in her parents' kitchen, listen, I'm telling the whole story. She created these gummy bears with a, a, you know, mold or a press bought from Amazon and she started marketing them. And in her first year with only herself, she did a million dollars in revenue with gummy bears. And, uh, she got carried by Starbucks without a trial. She got carried by whole foods without a trial. She got carried by bed, bath and beyond without a trial. And I came wow. in when she was like an incredible dis- woman. It's an incredible story. And, but the best part is yet to come. Uh, the, the, you know, I was brought in and, and we had to, as part of the pitch deck, create the unique selling proposition. What makes this company absolutely Uh, unstoppable and the best at what they do. And it wasn't gummy bears because Nestle or Cadbury or Mars or whoever could replicate a gummy bear menu, a, a recipe in five seconds. So what was it? And what we discovered was that she was an absolute beast when it came to Instagram. She had this army of Instagram followers, and she was she was prolific. She'd be out there thirty times a day posting little stories about gummy bears, and then getting feedback on new gummy bear recipes and talking to her thirty thousand friends. Uh, and there we discovered that if you put the president of Nielsen Candy on Instagram, people would laugh him out of town. Same with mm-hmm. Mars. Same with Cadbury, because. They don't have that connection with the people who have body issues who want candy. And it was is so amazing to watch her work because she would put messages out completely free. She had a $0 ad budget and she would put messages out saying, hey, my stuff is now at CVS Superdrug. And boom, the people would run in there and leave the display basically swinging in the wind. They'd clean it out like a, like a flock of locusts. And the store owners didn't know what hit them. They're going, what is, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. But it was that that awesome story of her own that connected with so many people who have body issues. That then was translated using a free medium, and uh, it was an absolute phenomenon. Just, I just, I was, I was just blown away by it.
1: There you go. Well, the friend who who went from zero to a hundred thousand a year uh, of followers, what she did is she started out on Reddit groups just talking just talking to people about what their issues were around meal planning and like was it really about weight loss was it about time what was the problems that they were having so she got such real she got real feedback immediately and she used that feedback and one of the great things about about Instagram now from a b2c point of view is that you can you're going to be able to see what posts are getting the interaction that you have, and you can, you can really take a more metric focused view on expanding it. It's just a real world laboratory laboratory where you can do some great things. I mean, I'm jealous of it, frankly, because most of the people that I work with are B2B. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I will work with companies on their brand story a lot who are larger B2C companies to, to, kind of focus more on the, on the, on the, uh, customer than they're doing currently but most of the companies that I work with require that initial sales conversation they're generally not as visually stimulating as some cool sock company or some cool mm-hmm. um, you know meal planning company but Instagram and all and, and a lot of the social media networks that are out there you got to make sure you find the right one for your medium and you do it in the right way Gary Vaynerchuk has a ton of great stuff on this
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but it's it can be done if you don't have the budget but don't kid yourself and think that it's not a lot of work. It's an incredible amount of work. And I always you laugh to do that.
0: Sorry. I just have to interrupt. I always laugh when I see people say I, I engage with people and I just do my forensics and I say, okay, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn. And then, oh yeah, we got all that. And then you actually check and they're just, they're ghost towns, you know, they build it or they get somebody to build their website. They put all these things in, they build accounts for them, mm-hmm. crickets. And I mean, that to me says that the store is closed.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can get spammy. You can get spammy with uh, just you know, writing a. I mean, writing a blog once a week and putting it putting it out on your channels is good. It's something that you should do. It's something I don't do enough myself. Um, but you, it really is a lot of work, and it is something that that is important to do. And you need to have that engagement back and forth. Again, this area is slightly outside of my expertise, but I, was, I you know, sleeping next to a woman who does the, who is an expert at bringing that brand and making it into a conversion has taught me that you need to have the right medium. You need to use it the right way. And you need to have back and forth engagement with your audience in order to be successful, to build that. Kind of personal brand, or to build that brand. Period. Nowadays, and it's much easier to do than it used to be. You don't have to buy TV commercials anymore for five hundred thousand dollars.
0: And I do remember. I mean, one of the big disconnects between brand and, and sales used to be that the salespeople used to have direct co- connection with the uh, the people buying the stuff. But that that story never ever got back to brand. Brand was up in an ivory tower somewhere. I want to get a hold of Dominic uh, and build a clean sale campaign. How do I get a hold of you?
1: So you can I. What I would like to do is, if anybody heard hears this uh, and wants to get in contact with me and or wants some help, uh, shoot me an email at dom at the clean cell d o m uh, at the clean cell s e l l dot com. Uh, so what I'm happy to do is, no matter whether we want to work together or not, I am happy to give you the structure outline. Uh, kind of a fill-in worksheet that I actually use with my clients uh, to build that core sales story that we're talking about. If you want to, if you want to reach out to me in any other way, you can either email me directly or you can go to my website, thecleancell.com. Uh, again, that's S-E-L-L dot C-O-M, and uh, happy to talk a little bit further and see if maybe I there's a problem that you have that I can touch on and and help solve for you.
0: I could talk about this all day. Thanks so much for. <laughs> Thanks so much for doing this, though. It's uh, I, I'm fascinated by this because I'm just fascinated by human psychology and how do you get from your head to your wallet? You know, it's just it, it never ends, right? People keep changing. Yeah, it's very interesting stuff. I could talk about it for hours myself. All right. Well, that wasn't so bad, was it?
1: Yeah, it was great. It was really a it was really a good conversation. We jumped all over the place. I loved it. <laughs>